Blog Talk Radio. All right. Sunday night, late night radio. What fun. Well, that way. This morning, looking for my shoes, look behind the trunk, found the hesitation blues. Lordy, tell me how long. Lordy, tell me how long. Will I have to wait? Will I have to wait? Can I get you now? Can I get you now? Must I hesitate? Love this guy. I, I, I just, I, 
I'm, I'm totally blown away. So, and this was short notice. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I was like, okay, let's schedule it. And he said, okay, do it. <laughs> so we're really excited that we got Gino Alfonso on the show tonight. And uh, I, 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 you guys are going to love this guy. He's simply amazing. In fact, I just messaged him on Facebook to let him know that we are number three out of thousands of shows that are being broadcasted around the world right now live. We are number three in popularity. Check it out. You don't believe me? Check out the live streaming. We are number three in popularity out of all these thousands of shows around the world being broadcasted. We are number three. Woo-hoo. Right, Tom? Very nice. Right. Very nice. Which is better than being number one with the middle finger. So, you know. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. We are giving them number. Yeah, we are. We're the middle finger right now in popularity. Never thought of that <laughs> like that. That's actually a one way to look concept. at it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Okay. Also, uh, I, I'm sure that you guys heard the little guy at the beginning. He's not a little guy. He's like almost seven feet tall. But Sunday night, late night radio. What fun! That of course was said by Tommy Haybeeb on our show. Uh, anybody who knows who Tommy Haybeeb is. They know he's doing a great thing. He's rescuing dogs all over the world. It's called To the Rescue. Tommy Habib, please support this cause that he's doing. He's he's rescuing dogs and giving troubled dogs a forever home. So that's a great cause that Frenzy and Friends believes in. And congratulations, Tommy. Thumbs up. Very cool. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. And he also yep. created, it's kind of funny, Tommy Habib at first was uh, uh, exposing cheaters because he is the creator of the hit show Cheaters that is still going strong today. He created Cheaters. He was the first host, of course, because it's his show. And now he's rescuing dogs. Tommy, nice. no, Tommy, Tommy A.B. was probably one of the nicest men you'll ever meet. Okay, and also just one more announcement, and then we're going to bring Gino on, because I know you guys don't want to listen to Tom and I talk. No. Our guests can't here, you know? Exactly. Uh, one more thing. Do not forget... For all your beard, mustache, skin needs, do not forget to go to honestamish.com. Put in the promo code TALKINGBEARDS, Aaron D. Johnston, and everybody with Talking Beards, they will give you 15% off on your order by entering the promo code uh, TALKINGBEARDS. It's a great product. We, We tried it. Well, well, I, I don't have a beard or a mustache, but I have tried the hand salve. I've tried the body soap. It is amazing stuff. It's all natural products. And thank goodness for everybody at Honest Amish keeping everybody smelling fresh and clean. And William Brower. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you are. Okay. I'm just letting you know that you're like, okay, so here we go. 
we have got a man with what I thought was only two first names. Turns out that he has three first names. Gino Alfonso. How you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Thank you for having me on the show. Glad to be here. Good evening, Gino. How we doing? Yeah. Good, good. Been just crazy busy with uh, post-production on the uh, current films I got and excited Mm -hmm. to talk about them with you. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to you know, How did you get your start? I mean, how, what um, influenced you? What made you want to become a filmmaker? God, I've been. It's been something I've been doing since I was a kid. Um, Jurassic Park is really the first movie that that really influenced me to want to become a director. Um, I was about ten years old, and through. Like, middle school and high school, I was doing short films. I would actually do short films as um, project assignments instead of uh, paper assignments. Uh, My teachers would let me do short films um, based on whatever the subject matter was. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was a way to allow me the creativity to kind of express myself better because I had a hard time in school. So that was an easier way for me to do the assignment well and actually succeed in school. Um, so that really gave me my my start and started doing professionally about five or six years ago. Um, sold my first uh, screen screenplay professionally, first feature film, um, which I've been hearing is should be underway sh- soon. Started off as a little indie film and it's blown up into something much bigger. Um, so I can't say much about it yet, but I'm hoping for really good things on that one. Um, and then did a bunch of short films and after doing a certain amount of short films, I finally said, Hey, I got to kind of give the short films a break and break into features no matter what it takes. I took a year off, kind of redirected myself and kind of, found the right project to do and compatible just happened to be that script and so compatible was my first feature and got a lot of really cool people on board and that was kind of the 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 start of everything um so would so, you yeah, say spielberg was been, kind of your main influence then or yeah spielberg was a huge start yeah um, and then the movie The Exorcist was my favorite horror film of all time, my favorite film of all time, and that was really what got me into horror um, specifically. Um, I do a lot of LGBT stuff as well. I'm an openly gay filmmaker, but horror is is really my niche um, for sure. And well, that's probably the serious film ever made anyway. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. It, it's funny oh, how yeah. In a roundabout way, the one of the first people that actually got attached to Compatible was Eileen Deeds, who was Linda Blair in makeup when she was possessed by the demon. Yeah, Eileen Deeds. Oh, uh, yeah. She's really, she's really a sweetheart. Oh, yeah, yeah she's, she's great. And she, yeah, she came on board and she actually brought on my – a lot of my crew, um, Joseph Kelly, my lead male star, um, and a lot of other people on the film, uh, Ari Lemon from Friday the 13th, uh, who was the uh, first Jason Voorhees um, in Friday the yep. 13th. 
Um, and so she became one of my first big executive producers. Um, so my favorite film of all time ended up helping start my first feature, which happened to be a horror film. So I owe a lot to The Exorcist. Um, so that's that's been a really great pleasure to have that in my repertoire, <laughs> um, yeah. to say the least. Well, yeah, so, yeah, it's, I've seen Deke has actually been on our show a couple of times. Well, definitely. It is funny so. because uh, we were at uh, the Miss Misery convention, and uh, Eileen Deke and the first Jason were both there. So, yeah, the oh, first cool. Jason, dude, he, he rocks, man. He is so badass. Yeah. I yeah, got him drunk. Yeah, I got him drunk. Very entertaining gentleman. I got him drunk. Nice. Yeah, yeah I had a couple of drinks with Ari. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, he, uh, he's, he's, he's a lot of fun. I, and I he's leave, a fun he, character. He's just a sweetheart. Yep. Yeah, now, for sure. Now, Gino, uh, I, I, you know, I, I will say this much. I could... I could definitely relate with you um, on you know from the uh, from the school front because um, for uh, for myself uh, I, I always had I, I grew up with a uh, learning disability um, predominantly more in math than, than anything else and yeah, um, you know so uh, you know, yeah then so I've got a, um, a a horror fantasy series that I started writing initially back then in high school and. Um, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, very similar. My uh, my English teacher allowed me to uh, to write the story itself uh, in her class, but under the condition that uh, I would incorporate the daily lesson uh, into the manuscript. Nice. So, yeah, cool. and uh, that 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 became uh, the legend of uh, Graham How to Claire. So, uh, thirty years later, it's finally available. <laughs> nice. <laughs> No, Thank it you. sounds like we had a very similar um, educational experience, which is which is pretty cool. Agreed, and definitely a great you know, great job with compatible because um, I Thank watched you. that over over the weekend, and you know it, it was just uh, absolutely phenomenal. It really was. So. Thank you. You yeah, got to watch it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really that. excited to get that one out there. Sorry. Well, I. I, I actually found it through a friend of a friend of a friend. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I want to see I want to see that movie. I am totally intrigued with that movie. That's like the you know you hear all the horror stories about uh, date wit, uh, websites. You take that to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it gets it gets pretty crazy, and it you know with it sort of came about too with like the whole COVID thing and everyone being locked in inside and just like, what can the horrors of online dating bring with everybody being stuck inside now? Like, and that, that really was sort of the, the what if scenario of how can this go from zero to 60, you know, in this new generation of people being forced to be online because that's all there is. We can't go out. We can't, socialize we can't that's how people connect so that was that was really what the the catapult for that idea and trying to do something 
super contained and small. And it was really, we filmed it actually right before COVID hit. So that oh, wasn't wow. really a thing until like right after filming. Like we we kind of started hearing a little bit about it as we were filming, but it wasn't like, you know, everyone was on lockdown yet. But right after, like probably a month or two after was when all the lockdowns started happening. So we were kind of hitting a nerve on the subject matter before it was a thing. And then as soon as we finished, we're like, well, we can use this as a promotional type for the film because it's very reminiscent of what's going on right now. And we didn't even like realize it as we were filming until the filming was complete. So it, it sort of came full circle um, and I think for a really good reason, because it's really hard to not just get independent films out there, but it's also really hard to promote them unless you have names attached, a studio attached, et cetera. You know, so having a, you know, having a, a subject matter that resonates with people, whether you have a big name attached or not, that's what's going to get people in. So if it's something people can relate to, it doesn't matter if there's a big name in it, but it would definitely helps. But if you don't, you at least have the subject matter that hits people in a way that you can have no names attached and you can still have a movie that makes people unsettled, scares people, you know, gets under their skin. So it, it really worked out in this weird way. <laughs> um, so, like, unintentionally, I was making a movie that that hit with what was going on. Um, so, you know, definitely is working in, in our favor, especially now after everything's kind of sort of going back to normal. I don't know what this whole monkeypox thing, but now, you know, it's kind of, coming back to what it was a little bit and so it's people will I think go see the movie because that's what we were all going through well I mean if, if it's going to be as good as the version that that, that, you, know, that you originally released um, I mean just judging from that alone it's definitely it, it, I think this could be almost similar to the next Psycho I really that's cool. the best way I can tell it. So that'd be know, great. for the internet. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Well, that that makes me feel really good because that's uh, that's a, one of my favorites too, Psycho for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you can you can never go wrong Perfect. with just the uh, the simplicity of it, but then you know when you break it down the rest of the way, it's always more amazing just to look back and review. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. So what is the toughest part for, of filmmaking for you? And what's the easiest? What would you um, well, it used, to, it used to be the financing part. Um, financing is, is always the toughest, especially, again, back to the not having a name talent attached, name talent attached. So basically the business um, end of it, you know. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that is really one of the hardest parts. I mean, now 
I've got a handful of, of smaller investors, so, you know, I can make an ultra-low budget or, you know, even potentially a micro-budget film, you know, for, you know, pretty decent, you know, cost and still make some some decent money back. Um, so it's still it's still a struggle for sure because you have to, like, kind of, see all right what kind of story do i have is this is this going to make money is this what people want in the marketplace um i've had to learn how to become a businessman so i guess that would be probably one of the harder parts is that i've had to learn how to do business um and that's not something that i was ever trained in so i'm completely self-taught a as a filmmaker and b as a businessman um so that's definitely been a challenge because each film there's new challenges that you have to face like how much is this one going to cost how much can I raise if I can't raise this much can I make it for this much or what can I sacrifice in order to make it for this much and you have to kind of put all those pieces together before you can really move forward and you don't want to jump the gun and say hey oh we've got Twenty five thousand, fifty thousand dollars. Let's go make it, and then you realize that you're seventy five thousand dollars short, and then you oh, have yeah. full production. Yeah. You know, so there's always that struggle too. So you want to make sure that all your ducks are in a row, and that was one thing that I had to struggle with at the beginning was I would jump the gun and be like, "All right, I think I'm ready," and then I would get to the middle of pre production planning stages and realize oh, we don't have nearly what we need or we don't have enough crew or we don't have the right cast to attach to it or, you know, and there's all these things that wouldn't come together. So that was why I kept doing short films because short films were easier. Sometimes you wouldn't necessarily need money to get a short film done. A lot of people would be willing to come on to a short for either a deferred pay or just the credit or just the experience. Um, but after a while, just morally, it felt more right to to be able to pay my cast and my crew, even if it wasn't a huge amount. At least they were getting paid something so that they felt that their time was being well spent. Um, you know, I'm not getting paid for anything yet until I make the money off of the the movies when I sell them. But for me, the payment is seeing my cast and crew happy like making sure that they're taken care of making sure that their needs are being met on set um so that they come to work every day you know when we did um my movie the hostage um the third film that i did it was all in a garage for about five days it was in the middle of july the hottest month of the year last year Wow. Um, like 90, 100 degree days, and there was like 10 or 15 of us at most in this little garage, and we were just sweating and we're like killing people, and we're they're like running around in the garage, and the cameras going around them. We have two cameras going at once, and so the the crew was going around like crazy, but. I made sure that they were taken care of as much as we could take care of them with the budget we had. So they would keep coming back and, 
enjoying what they were doing and we were getting really good stuff so that that made them excited they were like we don't care that it's 100 degrees we're having a fun time we're having a good time like this might be a bitch of a shoot but it's funner than hell and and that's that's been the the key factor for all of my films is that i like to make sure that all my cast and crew have a, a good time on set like i don't want them to feel like oh i don't want to go to work today because of this or that or you know there's not enough yeah, right. on set or there's not whatever I think that's great that you mentioned that honestly because you know you I, I, I think that you made the best point as any anything Steven Spielberg or anybody can say you got to make the crew happy that's the number yeah, one goal they're the ones that are doing the work yeah you know, and they come on because they love the, the material and the project, and they like you as a filmmaker, and you want to make sure that you're leading your crew in the way that, you know, you would want to be led if you were in their position, if you were on the other side. You know, yeah, it, what would I want, yeah. you know, for myself if I was, like, the DP or if I was the gaffer or the grip or, you know, whoever, the stunt coordinator or anyone you know, um, I would want the same, it's just like the, you know, like I'd want them to treat me the way that I'd want to treat them, you know, kind of the same situation. So, yeah, always make sure your cast and crew are happy. Because if they're not, then you're going to, like you can see in a movie, okay, (laughs) they are not, like there's couples, you see, yeah, like the top ten cast members that really hated each other. And when you go back and watch it on screen, you're like, yeah, they really did hate each other. Like, you can tell they were miserable to be there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, and uh, we had the guy who starred in Basket Case on the show. And I don't know if you knew this because oh, cool. you were talking about the budgets of the movies and everything. Uh, the the money that he had in the basket, that was actually the money for the budget of the movie that he was oh, wow. wanting around. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting little fact. You know, yeah, you guys don't yeah. have millions of dollars. You've got to earn that money. You're yeah, putting up you know. your money. Yeah, I mean it's the uh, it, it's the ultimate risk right there at the end of the day, and uh, yeah, it really is. Yeah. Now, uh, yeah. what one thing I was uh, curious about because um, you know I'm 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 kind of coming I'm I'm new coming into the industry. Um, you know I've, I've got uh, I have two uh, shorts that were uh, optioned and produced, and. Uh, you know, most most of my um, writing projects over the past two years was on the hurry up and wait side. So, <laughs> okay, um, yeah. You know, did um, did did you have any issues? Um, you know, once the outbreak did come across stuff, um, you know, on trying to find like a uh, a COVID officer or you know organizing the set for the right marks and things along those lines, or no, how, not how did all really. That work I mean, out we were. We didn't, I mean, we, we had people that were COVID trained. We didn't have, like, a specific, like, COVID safety officer, but we did follow protocols. Um, 
you know, making sure that there was a thermometer on set and everyone had their temperatures taken. And if anyone showed any signs of being sick beforehand to let us know at least 24 hours before coming to set. Um, thankfully, we didn't have any issues and everyone was uh, vaxxed. So, you know, we got lucky there. Um, I know a lot of other productions that did have some issues um, having to delay and stuff like that, so we oh, got yeah. really lucky. Um, like I said, it was compatible. It was, like, literally right before. Um, and then with Harvest and Hostage, the sets were so small that, you know, um, we were able to, to keep the six feet apart. Anyone that felt more comfortable wearing a mask when not shooting depending on it, you know, if we were just in the house location um, and if everyone was okay with not wearing a mask, but if they wanted to wear one, it was perfectly fine. And some people did just for safety precautions. Um, so, you know, it was just a thing that, you know, everyone was comfortable with. Like if they wanted to wear a mask, perfectly fine. Um, if they were vaxxed, they had to have their card. Um, you know, we had to see proof of their card um, for that oh, yeah. reason. Um so, yeah, we took the, the proper protocols. Um, now, whatever I do next, if it's a bigger set and the COVID uh, rules still apply, we'll definitely have a, a COVID safety officer um, on set if that's something that's needed in the near future. Um, I don't know how the bigger sets are doing it now, if it's that's something that's still needed um, or not, if that's – I'm not sure. Um but yeah, we definitely took our our protocols um, very seriously. Good, good, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, gentlemen. I think that's probably probably one. Of, if you want to pardon the pun, I think that's probably one of the biggest horror factors uh, in the industry that uh, you know they kind of hit everybody, especially looking at um, you know how fast the insurance jumps up and then things like that. So. Mm. You know. And you know, that's enough to, to really, really sit there and then you know, force yourself to say, you know, how passionate am I about this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it 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 is kind of it is kind of weird because um, I Jonathan Mayberry he kind of hit right on point when he said. Yeah, everybody was uh, totally ticked off that we were on lockdown, but I I was too, but it made me sit down and made me realize I got to write books. Exactly. Yeah, I I, and Tom and William and uh, Gino, you, you're a writer. Did it force you to sit down in front of the computer and say, okay, I can't go to the movies. So I'm going to write a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got a lot of writing done. Um, right before shooting of Harvest last summer, I did. I think I wrote like two or three scripts um, before shooting Harvest. Um, we were just kind of weighing our options of what could be filmed for Ultra Low. We had a couple of projects going that were more micro budget and like in the multi-million dollars, but we definitely weren't at the ready point for those yet. So we were like, what can we do for, you know, $25,000, $35,000, maybe 50. 
um, and sort of kind of redirected our energy toward getting those made. So I I went back and I took uh, my script Harvest and the Hostage, and those were the ones that were easily doable for that price. So I was able to kind of play with those a little bit and bring them down to those those price ranges. Um, but yeah, definitely with the lockdowns, that helped me sort of put, you know, perspective on what I could do, um, with what was going on. Um, so that was, that was definitely good. Um, it kind of brought my head down from the clouds a little bit, like, well, I haven't done a movie yet and I haven't, you know, proven myself as a, as a director that can bring in money. So I'm not going to get a budget of half a million dollars for my first feature, you know, or that, that's, that's, I think a big shortcoming for a lot of up and coming filmmakers is they think just because they have a great idea, they're going to get half a million or 5 million or, you know, pull an Ari Aster and get like 10 million for their first movie. It's not going to happen. Like unless you really know people in the business, it's not going to happen on your first movie. So you got to think, smaller you got to think or do something like what the Blair Witch people did you know or exactly and just do something and made a great profit yep yeah just know how to market know yeah you know know your subjects um kind of like kind of like with compatible I'm hoping that compatible you know I I don't have any delusions of grandeur that it'll do Blair Witch numbers or paranormal activity numbers but it would be really nice if it did even a quarter of that, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. like I would love for it to just be like, Oh yeah, this is a word of mouth movie. And, you know, we've got a pretty good sized following from people that have followed us from when we started the Kickstarter campaign. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping for a really good turnout, uh, whether it gets a, a streaming release or uh, even if it's a minimal theatrical release that we do, you know, fairly decent, you know, um, and then that will hopefully propel the next project to be a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger, and it'll have a domino effect. Um, so that's that's kind of what you got to go for. Um, yeah, honestly, I um, I've seen the trailer and I am totally intrigued. I mean, you cool. you you brought yeah. you brought online online dating to a new creepy level. You you honestly did. Now, if, if I can interject real quick, I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, I don't think you, you would really want a domino effect. Um, I mean, you know, judge, judging from the film and the trailer, I, I would lean more towards a snowball effect. Let it let it grow and just turn into a whole avalanche and just flood the market. That would be that would be great too. I you know, I would be think great I, to anything that. I, I think it might because I do believe that a lot of I mean, come on, who does not? Okay, people that are dating right now. Okay, you do not have the app, but uh, 99.9% of the worldwide population does have that app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and we all have friends that have gone on bad dates that they found online. So, yep. you know, <laughs> yep. you know yeah. what, what are those things, you know, you, you, 
you you whip out the old uh, recorder on the uh, cell phone, conveniently put it behind the cocktail and go, so how bad was the date? Spare nothing. Give me all the details. (laughs) Bring your cell phone with you. Call me. Excuse yourself to the bathroom. And uh, call me to pick you up. Right, yeah, that that friend excuse, like, calling and saying, hey, we had a family emergency, I got to (laughs) go. Best way to do it. So, yeah, I definitely want to see that. Um, Another thing that uh, made me chuckle that I watched with, uh, with, well, not with you, you weren't here from you, is the Fresh Cola short. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if anybody ever, and when I watched the movie, the little short, um, I thought of uh, Coke Outer Space, which, by the way, Mm. have you guys tasted that? What? Have you guys Coke? tasted the Coke Outer Space flavor? I haven't even I haven't even heard no. of it. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a new Coke really it's like... called Outer Space. Uh, when I watched uh, your little short, I thought of the Coke Outer Space. By the way, by the way, do not try it. It is terrible, Nick. Oh. Nick. <laughs> Nick. No, no, I. I... I, I don't want to hear it doesn't even taste like Coke. No. How, how, how about the Flaming Cheetos Mountain Dew? I do Ugh, not even want to attempt to try that. No, no. no that's almost going to make me puke. I know. That does, that does sound like something that if you're drinking a lot of beer and you're going to have Flaming Hots and then you're going to have Cheetos, I mean, if you're going to have Flaming Hot Cheetos and then you drink Mountain Dew to try to get yourself liquefied, that does sound like the vomit that's going to come out of your mouth. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what it is. I think drink yeah. too much, you're barfing it. So. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it just makes you wonder what what flavor are they going to come up with next? I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. And, I'm waiting for Dirty Laundry. <laughs> <laughs> right or tide tide oh. tide pods tide pods <laughs> tide pods tide pod flavored coke yeah <laughs> that's the next one yeah. Coca Cola takes yeah. notes exactly we make it safer for you to drink the tide pods <laughs> yeah. hey when Francie uh, mentioned about COVID and everything and the writing I, I'd say the last three years have been probably my most productive how has the last Two to three years been for you, uh, filmmaking wise and writing your screenplays. Yeah, it's it's actually it's been really productive. It's I mean it's slowing down right now just being in post production, but I've got mm-hmm. several projects in development right now that we're in the process of raising financing for. But it, last year was was crazy because we shot mm-hmm. my films Harvest and The Hostage back to back. We shot in May did a month of like kind of pre-production for the hostage and then we shot in uh july so we did two six-day shoots back to back in may and july wow so that was that was pretty intense 
uh, doing two full features um, in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> um, to say the least. But we we got them done. I had some great producers. My co-producer, Pat Kuznati, on um, Harvest, and uh, my team on, on The Hostage, Randall Russell, um, and my investors just really came through for me. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, last year was, it was, it was a lot of fun. So whatever comes next, I'm hoping for, for bigger and better, um, for sure. Awesome. Well, so what's in the, what do we see for the future, uh, filmmaking wise? Uh, can you give us a, a preview of, uh, future projects? Um, yeah, we're working on a, uh, drama thriller uh, that my co-writer of The Hostage uh, wrote called Long Distance um, that we're looking to shoot. He's actually from uh, Sacramento himself, too. Um, cool. He was hoping to be able to call in tonight, but he was busy. Uh, but he told me to tell you guys hi and thanks for talking about The Hostage. Um, and uh, we're doing a, a another thriller called Path to Midnight. Uh, we got a few attachments on that. Um, can't really say who. But we've got some good names uh, on board there. We should be hearing actually some news, hopefully on some investing uh, in the next month or two on that one. Uh, I've got a couple of books that I'm in the process of adapting, uh, MrPerfect.com, which um, will actually be a nice follow-up. Nothing to do with compatible, but it'll be a nice follow-up to compatible. Um, kind of similar in genre but uh much kind of a book much darker in a different way um okay. kind of a compatible meets uh stephen king's gerald game nice a little bit um, That's cool. so it's definitely got that uh going for it um looking at adapting a couple of uh other uh lgbt novels um but, uh, yeah, just uh, got quite a bit going and uh, really just uh, pushing forward through uh, post-production. That's that's kind of the key factor right right now is just getting these ones done and out there. And um, I think that will really Stephen help whatever comes next. Huh? Are you a big Stephen King fan? Huge Stephen King fan. I actually did a uh, Stephen okay. King Dollar Baby uh called Sneakers from uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Oh, cool. Okay. Cool. Uh, which yeah, what's your favorite Stephen King stories? Oh, God, that's a tough one. Um, my go-to is The Stand. Um, okay. That's sort of my Lord of the Rings. I try to read that every... I, it used to be every year, but now it's like every couple of years when I have time. <laughs> um, it seems like when I'm going into production, I have less and less time to read. Um, but The Stand is one of my go-tos. Um, uh, a lot of the early the stuff. Um, Rose Matter is one of my um, favorites. Uh, that, that's actually one that's sort of a dream project of mine to adapt into a film. Um, I know for a while um, HBO had the rights to it, so I don't know if they still do or not, but they had a hold on it from my understanding, so I don't know if they plan on doing anything with it or not. Um, but that, that's one that I would love to make into a film. I'd love to do a remake of Needful Things. 
Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's one of my other faves. Um, I, I think that one deserves a really, really hard R. I know the original was R and it was theatrical, but it felt like a TV movie to me. Um, it, it just didn't feel like they quite hit on the darkness of the book. Um, I think they could have gone a lot deeper with Leland Gaunt um, than they did. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a huge, huge King fan. Um, so, yeah, with the, the Dollar Baby, he um, he had actually given me special permission for sneakers. That one wasn't on the Dollar Baby program. And um, the person that was in charge of the program, I think it was his um, sister-in-law, Margaret Morehouse, um, she had gotten in touch with him and said, if he gives the okay for you to do it, then you can go ahead and do it. So she had had to talk to him directly in order for me to get the rights to sneakers. Um, so I'm the only one that's ever done sneakers as far as I know. Um, I don't think it's on the on the list to this day. Um, and I don't know if he ever watched it or not. I never got a response back if he had watched it or not, but um, I know he knows that I did it. <laughs> um, nice. so that one I was pretty proud of. Well, um, I, I I do have an indirect fun uh, Stephen King story that uh, you know for uh, from ever since uh, when I first broke into writing uh, and for many years everyone always called me Young Stephen King because I, I look like him about uh, only just a couple pounds heavier and such and not as much gray hair. Mm-hmm. So, uh, long story short. Uh, about 20 years ago, my, my first book uh, got published called Crazy Clan, and I was uh, I was in our uh, local bookstore, um, you know, making arrangements for a book signing and such. And I had uh, this one lady walked up to me, and she's like, "I want to let you know that I'm familiar with your work and I'm one of your biggest fans." I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, thank you." She's so like, if, "If I buy if I buy one of your books, would you mind signing it for me?" I'm like. One of my books, I only have one, but okay, yeah, yeah, if you want to buy a book, I'll, I'll sign it. So she comes back with a copy of, uh, oh, um, what was it, The uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. <laughs> Coincidentally. <laughs> you know, and, and she's like, I would love to get your autograph. Can you please put this to Sue, my daughter? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. So, um Sue, if, if you're out there, you've got a nice, lovely autograph book from William Brower written by Stephen King. So congratulations, <laughs> and I hope that you're happy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. You know, there is somebody who's actually on the show tonight that was actually graced by the greatness of Stephen King. Nick. Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As back in the yeah, day, I'm an old, old Stephen King that. fan. Uh, I'm like what 56. So, um, so uh, when I first started reading novels, picked up paperbacks from like five and dime stores in the 70s when I was like in fifth grade. One of my first, uh, actually, my first real horror book that I ever read was The Rats by James Herbert, um, and that was awesome. That was, and I, and then the next. 
thing I know, he came out with Lair, a sequel to it, with a rat with two heads as the main rat that, you know, that led all the other rats. So that was, that was, uh, it was awesome. And then just right at the same time, that's when Stephen King started coming out with Carrie and The Shining and all the, all the older stuff. And so, uh, and my friends and I followed all of his movies while well, we lived in Orange County. And uh, so we'd, like, make a trip to Hollywood and see a lot of the Stephen King premieres. Uh, like um, uh, uh, Silver Bullet, where halfway through the movie, the screen literally ripped in half at Man's Chinese. And we all got our money back right at the first werewolf scene. So I have a lot of okay. Stephen King memories. But the most important one, though, that I guess you and everybody can appreciate is, as a writer... Um, he actually gave me some kudos uh, back uh, in, uh, at the Anaheim Convention Center um, when they had, like, a um, convention uh, for um, um, industry people and agents and stuff, and I saw him uh, uh, play live in the Rock Bottom Remainders. He was one of the oh, lead singers lucky. and guitarists with Matt Groening, creator of The Simpsons, uh, yep. in the chorus and all kinds of, you know, Amy Tan. Back in the day, I could just name most of them. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I met him in a hallway at that convention, and my uh, publisher had sent him a copy of my first novel under the pen name Nicholas Randers right before I did uh, the uh, the book for Halloween 4, um, was uh, uh, Prey, Serpents, Prey, and he sent him that. So I hit him up when I saw him in a hallway, and he was kind of in a hurry, but he gave me a thumbs up, and, and, uh, uh, and he told me, keep them coming, Nicholas. So I've been like using oh, that quote cool. ever since, even though it was never written down. But that was a good, and then actually sitting at a table uh, when the the rock bottom remainders played with nothing but agents. Uh, mm. it, it was <laughs> it was a great great experience. But that that's my number one Stephen King experience. He he's I've, nice. I hear that he's always like really personable when he gets the chance to. But I mean the world wants to meet him, and he's like a superstar. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and and so many people like you and me have been influenced by his works, and he's done a plethora. It's like a multiverse. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it goes really on, is. and he's still alive, he's and he keeps horror. writing. Yeah. yeah, and it's all over. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited <laughs> so, for um, I'm excited for fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. The new one That's, coming out uh, in uh, September. Yeah. Yeah, that one could be good. That sounds like it's going to be good. So, you know, as a director, director, um, uh, you're talking about uh, possibly directing, like like remaking Needful Things or something, but uh, he's got so much stuff that eventually there's going to be something that you'll be able to, like, land the the role as uh, a, a film adapter director for this Stephen King movie. It's a, yeah, it always seems like uh, like uh, like I was saying uh, I'm old school and I grew up with with this. But um, uh, me and my friends, when we went to the movies and stuff, it was always like the next Stephen King movie, almost every other year uh, and stuff. But he's written so much that it's like every uh, every director that is a big-name director has directed over the years some kind of Stephen King adaptation. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Yeah, and even, the like, the year that I was born, what was it that came out? It was Cujo, Christine, and the Dead Zone. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the year that I was yeah. born in 83 and I'm like that's a pretty awesome year like why couldn't I have been a little bit older that would have been a great year for me to go to move the movies <laughs> to see yeah, all yeah. the in the theater well I'll give you a good reason why you couldn't be a little bit older because now you're older right, now like, like us older folks yep. who had to
You know, if I was a director of any genre and I eventually developed some clout, eventually I would want to direct like a parody like Kentucky Fried Movie. I think that, that's really in every director's soul, wouldn't you think? Something uh, yeah, that you can I, just, like, film and just have fun and just make people laugh and stuff and just, like, you know, do whatever. Just a bunch of vignettes. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, I would love to do, like, a John Waters-type spoof, like a uh, Pink Flamingos type of thing. Um, Good choice. If I would... Uh, John I would Waters be, is like, awesome, just, I yeah. love that, like, super uber raunchy, like, or even, like, a Porky's. Because nowadays, like, something like Pink Flamingos would not get made. Um, <laughs> um, Porky I mean, might even be pushing it a little bit, but um, I mean, anything part, John part, Waters would just be very iffy. <laughs> you know, but, but, but if you want to pardon the pun, um, you know, Divine left really big shoes to fill. I mean, the, the, yeah. no, no, no one yeah. can really get past what she, her, what, what she did in, in that film. So. No, yeah, nobody, nobody. <clears throat> yeah, Divine was legendary. Yeah, legendary. Mm. As is John Waters, who is still oh, alive yeah. to this day, which yep. is is kind of <laughs> remarkable. Because I remember yeah. in the seventies, like watching the old, like Pink Flamingos and stuff, and all the original John Waters films and stuff. And then he like kind of grew hairspray and all that, you know, everything. It just kind of expanded. He got more money put into his movies over the years, mm-hmm. and, and just his fandom kind of grew and grew. Uh, Divine died, and, um, you know, and um, that that was, like, sad for all of us John Waters fans. Uh, yeah. But, jeez, uh, you know, uh, what a legend he is now compared to back then in the 70s. He was, like, just yeah. the first theater. And now it's like... Uh, Oh yeah, I gotta watch Pink Flamingos. I don't care if she eats dog shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the hell? Or the baby with the eggs, the giant baby <laughs> with the egg scene. Yep. Chickens. <laughs> the chickens. Yep. All you gotta say is chickens. <laughs> or, 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 or of course now. Um, also, don't forget um, Sam Waterston. Even though he's so famous for being in Dramatic and Law and Order and everything else, we mm-hmm. all remember him from Serial Mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, yeah. No. Yeah. Pussy winner. No, the, uh, the quirky dad. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, Serial Mom was a good, like, um, kind of tongue-in-cheek. Uh, he could uh, almost, well, it certainly did have its flavors of horror. In it, not a horror movie, but I mean, you know, she's a killer, so serial killer, serial mom hints. So, but yep. uh, yeah, that and that's actually one of my favorites of his too, because it's more of my alley recycle. because I'm a horror guy. Yeah, she probably one of, the, my, one of my more favorite like Kathleen Turner movies too. Like she was, yeah, she was she amazing, was and like that. she owned that role. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, she's right, very right. Forget romancing the stone and serial mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's though, she her neighbor does not recycle. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it it takes taking the ham roast to a whole new level though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
So, so what are your plans for the the near future? Um, right now, um, we're really pushing for finishing up post by the end of uh, June and getting some kind of um, distribution locked for these first three films. Um, that's really the 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 big goal uh, for right now. Um, one of the projects um, that I'm developing, we're in the process of uh, attaching talent. Um, and as soon as we attach some talent, then uh, next step is the financing. So that'll, that one will probably be the next big project that I'll be able to announce more once we get a little bit further along. Um, but the company that's attached has done some, some pretty big films. Um, so really excited about that, uh, and it's based on one of my friend's um, LGBT novel, uh, young adult novels, uh, that he wrote the screenplay for. So I'm really excited to, to bring that one to the screen. We've been pushing to get it made for about 15 years, um, and it's finally starting to come to fruition. Um, so that one's been a labor of love projects, um, and I think we finally brought it to the right people um, that can really do it the justice that it that it needs um so yeah just uh really just finishing up posts uh right now and um drafting out these uh current scripts that i'm working on and just kind of seeing really it's really more a matter of what gets the most traction um i really don't try to push one particular script it's just whatever people seem the most interested in and i can really get those attachments on it's you know so it's whatever kind of comes first um so it's it's hard to say what what really is going to come next it's just a matter of kind of timing um is the big thing and not rushing it oh yeah um cool so yeah that's that's kind of the the plan just finishing up those three and um just kind of seeing what what comes next well, I wish well, you a lot of luck you. and everything. Thank you. And success. You know. Yeah. You know. I'll say this much. I'll, I'll start uh, stocking up on the popcorn for stuff. Yeah. Me too. I'm, 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 I'm already eager, looking forward to it. So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, it'll be. Yeah. Have you thought about in between her. projects, uh, sitting down, like writing a short story, selling it to a magazine? Or just, you know, just uh, writing, you know, just like using up the storytelling stuff only from a different, a different medium that's filmmaking? Um, you know, a little bit here and there. Um, I've, I've got a couple of novels that I've actually got in my head, but um, one I've written a full draft of. I need to go back through and kind of polish it a little bit. I had some interest in published publication on it a couple of years ago but they weren't really serious publishers um they were more like uh not really self-publishers but more like independent so they they didn't really have a big uh following or backing or anything like that so it was really hard to take them seriously um oh. so i decided not to go with them just more for safety reasons i didn't want to just put my novel out there and have it, you know, sell one copy. Um, yeah. You know, so that one, I would love to do something more with that. It's a, it's a gay young adult novel um, 
called Boys Truck. Um, ah. So, and I, I've kind of thought about maybe turning it into a screenplay and seeing how it does as a script, um, but I'm not sure yet. So we'll kind of see how that plays out if if I decide to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's always kind of been in the back of my mind doing another medium, but not something that I've, you know, really pushed for just because I've got so much else going on with, with film. Um, that's kind of the, the medium that I'm in right now. Um, but not not something, you know, unheard of for the near future. It could, could happen. I would like to see a book published. It would be nice. Yeah, yeah, cool. I would think so too. I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of you know, but that's that's my forte is like books and everything. But I've been trying to cross into film uh, and stuff, and maybe I will at some point. But I have to focus on publishing books, uh, namely other people's and mine. But uh, I, I mean, that's what I do for a living. I'm very passionate about that. Uh, but it's all about storytelling too. And like yeah. Clive Barker, um, he writes books and directs movies. Um, mm-hmm. And, yep. you know, just uh, I, I would think uh, if there's, like, stories in the back of your mind and stuff that in between projects when you just kind of want to take a break and everything, uh, settling down and writing, like, several pages of a nice, like, short story idea, you could uh, I, I either come back to it later and work it into a screenplay or you can just on a side thing just send it to like a magazine or something and get your name yeah. out that way. That way when people yeah, people that like what you did with that short story will recognize your name when it comes to oh that's the guy that wrote that short story. Oh he does movies too, you know, something like that. So they, yeah. there's a strategy in that. Yeah, definitely. Also. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck, but I got to take off from this good show, so you know, hopefully we have you back on real soon and Wish all the yeah, best. Thank you much. Yeah, I, 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 I was I was gonna I was gonna actually say that Block Talk Radio will be cutting us off soon. We are in the after party now. And I was and Tom brought up a good point. Gino, you are a great guest and we would love to have you back on. Would you agree, William? Yes, Oh yeah, definitely. I'd love to uh, once we like get closer to the release of the films to to really push that um, promotion of of the distribution and stuff. We'll definitely do a follow up. Okay, that sounds awesome. Awesome. I'm not going to say awesome, William. Awesome sauce. No, we're not going to do that. Aaron D. Johnson is. Who also uh, don't forget on this Amish Aaron D. Johnston on this Amish mentioned talking beards. Uh, you get fifteen percent off. Damn it, Aaron D. Johnston and w- William Brower everywhere. Awesome sauce. Yep. Aaron D. Johnston like sends me. He he's traveling the world now, and he sends me elevator shots of this. Awesome sauce. What? What is he known for, Francie? Who, Aaron D. Johnson? Talking beards. Talking beards. Honest, honest. Dude, this guy, he's living the American dream. He worked the same job for 25 years. 
He's involved with Honest Thomas. He's able to quit his job, and now he's traveling the world. And one day, we had him on our show. He's just such a good guy. We had him on the show. He messages me, and he says, what's your what's your address? And I gave it to him, and we got this great package of Honest Amish. I smelt it as soon as I walked up to the mailbox. It's a whole mail, a whole street smelled good. And he gave us this great package of all this honest Amish. I'm telling you, try it. So, I, I, so, yeah, I don't I've have a beard it. or a mustache, yeah. but you the know, and, and everything are fantastic. Hey, Francie, yeah. uh, cool. since we're going to be wrapping up uh, in just a few minutes, uh, got to let everybody know about the sponsor of the show, that rhymes, uh, Black Bitchy Books. Been around since 2008, and we are just about to unleash to the world this week um, Slasher Girl by Raina Young, who is also Yay! known as the Bay Area's Miss Misery on TV. Um, and cool. so she's a really great horror host. She's actually here with her husband and her kid for my birthday the other week. Yay! They gave me a little surprise party, and that was, like, really, really groovy. Um, and uh, we're coming out with Patrick James Ryan stuff who came out with The Night It Got Out, which is one of our greatest sellers of all time, aside from our Vincent Price book that's co-written by Vincent Price before he passed away, The Price of Fear. Anyway, yes, oh, and the cool. Charles Manson book by, uh, by uh, Chuck W. Chapman, um, Family Man, uh, which uh, it, that's that's. Uh, ever since that came out, that's been really helping our cause. We've got um, like about 150 authors, and we're everywhere, and we won awards. We're one of the top 13 publishers on the entire West Coast, according to writingoasis.com, and I work out of a garage like Apple used to do. Um, so anyway, blackbedsheetbooks.com, everybody. And uh, we've got great things going on for the rest of this year. Check us out on Facebook also. Cool. And, and my own personal and, website with all my, like, stuff at downwarden.com. Yeah. All things lead to Black Bed Sheet Books through Downwarden. So, yes. Anyway. And, okay, I am off my pedestal. Okay. Um, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't mind, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to climb the pedestal that's too high, but I'm going to climb the soapbox really quick. And, uh, yeah, the soapbox. So, I'm, I'm going to save the pedestal for you, Dick. You you, you deserve it more. <laughs> so, but you know, but but I I just want to say that uh, you know for everyone listening, the Legend of Graham How to Claire is out uh, right now. Currently, if you want to order a book, it's through KMPEntertainment.org, and uh, I'm actually going to be releasing it now as an ebook through Kobo. Uh, later this week, and uh, just stay tuned for updates. I'll be putting it up on my page. Cool. Nice. Cool. And you uh, by the way, William, you gotta you gotta send me yeah. those links so I can post it on my Facebook. They're uh, they're in and, Messenger for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. And also, <laughs> feel free to post them on the Frenzy and Friends website. Facebook pages and everything. 
I will I will do that as soon as possible. I wanted to make sure I had permission first. Do, do it. Do just do it. Okay, I will. Do it till the sun comes up. Hello. <laughs> and, and you mind know. if I you mind if I throw anything out? One more thing out. Oh, I, I was going to say, Gino, throw some stuff out. Cool. Well, if anyone listening is interested in uh, possibly investing or uh, coming on board to help out on any of the future films, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at genomefilm.com um, with any info regarding on what you're interested in. Um, always open to new talent and people on board our films. Excellent. And again, uh, feel free to post anything on any of our Facebook pages. We will totally support it. Oh, yeah, I was going to mention that, too. Um, I've got a group on Facebook called Horror Nation, not to be confused with the the exact Horror Nation page, uh, but Horror Nation, our group, has been around since 2012 or something. But also, uh, Black Bedsheet Books, uh, just look us up on the group page, too, and you're welcome to uh, to promote any any uh, movie stuff that you have. Okay. Like, uh, cool, we're yeah, all about sure. horror. We'll definitely do that for the future. Uh, awesomeness. Yes. Yes, please cool. do. Excellent. Uh, we'll promote you. We'll, like, I'll, I'll share things and stuff. And then, you know, like you and Francie just said, you could be on our show at a later date, too. So we got the hookup. Cool. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I look forward to being back. Wonderful. Well, yeah. we look forward to having you back. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and you know what's funny is last night I told him, I was like, if you drop the F-bomb, it's okay. <laughs> Yeah, don't panic. We're we're all we're all creative. We understand. I think I think I maybe dropped it like once or twice. I was I wasn't even like you you did a you did a fantastic job. You did a great fantastic job. job. Thank you so much. Yeah, you did a great fucking job. You know. (laughs) <laughs> you know what? You know what? The whole history of Francie and Friends on radio since about like 2000. She started in 2009. Um, uh, we've had we've had so many independent filmmakers on the show, as well as like celebrity, real celebrity, huge you know people and all kinds. But uh, I personally, because I'm really into it, and I, I'm all about horror. I try to influence Francie on getting horror guests. And, you know, whether they're celebrity, you know, actors, actresses, uh, directors like you, uh, but we focus on independent people. So, you know, we welcome, we welcome your kind. Cool, cool. <laughs> you're, you're always well, you welcome here as an independent guests, horror have, director. Yeah, if you guys ever need any guests, I have a slew of names I could I can throw your way uh, privately and um, have you reach out to them. Cool. Well, awesome. thank you. You bet. I'm sorry, I was getting ice. I was getting ice. No. He said the most important thing on the show, Francie, he's going to, like, send you some people via private Oh, stuff. okay. Yeah. For, yeah, for, some, for some possible guests. Yes. I, I, I will take them. I will take them. It's the gift because that keeps we, on giving. We're rebooting, we're rebooting the show, and William and Tom... 
they were so patient with me. We did have to take a break in the hyenas just due to, you know, complications personally. So did you say hyenas? Yes, Francie, uh, uh, what, what, what are we doing breaking hyenas? Okay, I can't, I can't say the hy- hyenas. What have hyenas ever done to you? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hyenas? What the? Who, who's got their ass hi, in the air? Hi, oh, sorry, um, I got, I got to turn this. To I think home. Francie's dr- been drinking too much ice. I, I think so, yeah. I, I can never say that word. It's like the luminin. I can't say a luminin either. I think you missed how I was telling Gino about your legacy of having independent filmmakers on your show. Yeah, they don't yeah, make so, fun of yeah. me so much. <laughs> this is this one. Hi, Nate. Hi. Yeah, I can't say, I can't say aluminum. aluminum either. Aluminum. 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 Almost. Aluminum. Nick, get her, Nick get, go get her a participation trophy. Okay, well, it wins. You're special. So you get this trophy. Yay! <laughs> Everyone gets a trophy. Yay! I'm a special. Okay, Very. come on, William. You're from the South, too. Go ahead, say aluminum. Aluminum. Oh, you suck. <laughs> You're from Florida. Come on, I'm from South Carolina. I'm from South Carolina, okay? There's a way that's born in Florida, y'all. Well, wait a minute now. (laughs) Well, wait a minute now. You were born in Sanford, Florida, so that begs me to ask you the question. Does your family tree go straight? I don't know much about my family tree. Um, We're not educated enough to understand Okay, but you but you you don't go to the family reunions for the dates though, right? Uh, well, I I, I don't think we hold family um yeah, I've got a lot of questions about oh, that. Oh, you backwards Southerners are all the same. <laughs> yeah. Backwards Southerners. Oh, yeah, I know. Dude, there's more rednecks in California than there are in South Carolina. And fortunately for me, I'm I'm so far south in Florida that we're more California. We're we're the most laid back of the uh, of the bunch. (laughs) If I was a giant world eating alien, and looked upon each world that I conquered and ate as like a bunch of uh, like uh, of uh, different flavors and stuff, I would go to California because it's a bunch of mixed nuts. (laughs) <laughs> I would just, there's every flavor in the world in California. I would just go like there a, for like a ooh, John Waters pistachio. Ooh, Dude, I, I, I yeah. hate to say it when when I was at this is funny when I was in South Carolina, everybody in South Carolina is like, "Why do you want to go to California?" And I was like, "Because the love of my life is in California, and I'm going to go live with them." 
And now oh, I'm in that? California, and they're like, why the fuck did you leave South Carolina to come to this state? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but I love Nick. <laughs> I'm like, why? Uh, and my mom, my mom is like complaining. She's like, oh, gas is like $3 a gallon. Now I'm like, mom. Six dollars a gallon. She's like, yeah, you guys got that special gas that makes you high. <laughs> That's tonight why I'm, you stay there. Tonight on Lifetime, she works yeah. as an independent publisher. She's the starving artist. Together, they decide to run away all in the name of love in a world that is falling apart. <laughs> but I hate to cut you guys off, but um, to go to California. My mom, my first year here, she's like, "Get out of uh, California!" No problem, you Gino. Uh, thank you again yeah, for being yeah. on the show. Yeah, you I think we got to like that kind of everything. Yeah, they're spiraling terribly. All right, like talk to you guys like, soon. Thanks. Okay. You're welcome. Have a good uh, night. Thank you so much. Thank you, you so much for being on the show. It was an extreme pleasure. And, uh, oh, uh, before we end, um, tell everybody where we can find you. Um, on any social media page, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Nice. Awesome. awesome. I'll, I'm going to go uh, find you on LinkedIn. Don't say it. Yep. Don't say what? Awesome sauce. There you go. Yep. See? Just under my name, and it should pop up. I, I have generally uh, one of my movie posters up on my page, except for Facebook, which I have Stephen King on there. Um, but, yeah, everything else you should do. be a movie, uh, movie poster. Awesome. Nice. And some of my research cool. on you is uh, on YouTube, too. So, actually, yep. people are able to uh, type in your name on YouTube and look up some of the stuff that you've done. Yep. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube as well. Yep. Great. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys Keep so up much. The great I work. appreciate it. Not a yep, problem. Thanks. Have yourself a great night. Thank you, you as well. too. Talk Best soon. of luck in everything you do. Thank you so much. Take Talk care. Soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, let's send this off with a special song. Hello again. Hey, everyone's playing together right now. <laughs> Look, there they are. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop. Luno, we can't play if you bite Poofa. We don't ever want to bite our friends. Don't, don't, don't bite your friends. Don't, don't, don't bite your friends. We don't bite our friends. We don't pull their hair. Friends are our friends. So we treat them with care. So don't. Fight. No way. Cause that's not right. No 
away. So don't, don't, don't bite your friends. Don't, don't, don't bite your friends. make an announcement. Gino messaged me and said he had a good time on the show. Gino 
Echo, make an announcement. What's the announcement? No, sorry. He said great time on the show. Echo, make an announcement. He wants back on the show. He wants back on the show. 